When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived yet another week. It is Friday, April 1st, 2022, and these are the top true crime stories <laughs> in the entire world. Brought to you by me, James Renner. Hey, I know it's April 1st, but none of these stories are any sort of pranks. We're not doing pranks on this show, although we should. I should have thrown in a fake one, but all these are totally legit totally real. You can Google them, find them. I'm not going to make anything up. And this week, there are some really bizarre stories. Like, this is crazier than most weeks. I don't know what it is. Must be the moon, something in the water. I don't know. But we're, we're going to get to some crazy stories here in a minute. Uh, but first, I just want to say, as a personal aside, I did turn 44 years old this week. 44. Uh, to me, that sounds really, really old. Uh, but I know if you're like like in your 60s, you're thinking, oh, he's just a kid. But um, I would assume most people listening, yeah, that, that sounds kind of like an old guy. And I do have a lot of gray hairs. I like to tell people it's, it's the mileage, not the years. Um, but, but there it is. And I uh, am very grateful that I have this, this outlet, this, this platform to to talk to all of you. Uh, I, it reminds me of being in high school way back in the day. This is before the visual internet. There were like, uh, it was it was just like words on the internet. They didn't have pictures or anything like that way back in high school. And uh, I, I like to say I invented Facebook. Here's what I used to do. Um, we would have our lockers, right? And I would print out essentially memes, you know, little funny sayings, and I'd tape it to my locker. And that way, anybody that was walking by, they'd, they'd see this, you know, joke on a current event or whatever, and I'd change it out every day, and they'd get a little chuckle. This is actually how I met my wife, because uh, one day I put up, this is when Bill Clinton was president, 
And there was that whole Jennifer Flowers thing going on. And I had a picture of um, Clinton and uh, Newt Gingrich and a spork. And the title was um, <laughs> a, a Dork, a Spork, and Somebody Jennifer Flowers Porked. Uh, it was a very tasteless joke. But our principal, Mr. Vrabel, uh, walked, stormed into the office and he said, Somebody get me Renner. And the young office attendant that he sent to get me was, in fact, Julie. Uh, who became my wife and and partner all these long years. So um, I've been trying to do this thing for many, many years, and now now we have this nice little podcast outlet. So thank you for for coming along. Uh, Let's get to the top stories, though. It's, It's crazy stuff this week. I'm so excited that the top story this week is about the Delphi murders. We've been waiting for an answer in this case for many years. Uh, a couple years ago, I did a series of YouTube videos that you can find online about the Delphi murders. Uh, they're my first attempt at like virtual reality journalism, where the, they were shot with a, a 360 degree camera. I interviewed all the the major people, including the detectives and the families, and you can go on YouTube and check this out. and And it's really cool. You can uh, use your cursor to kind of like move the screen wherever you want to see what you want. Uh, I interview the detective in his office, so you can kind of scroll around and see his office. I The family took me into um, Libby's bedroom, and you can kind of scroll around and see that. And there's a really nice interview with Libby's sister, Kelsey, that takes place at a restaurant, and you can kind of see that too. So, um you know, I, I've I've met these people. I'm kind of invested in this story, and it's super exciting to see that. Really, honestly, I think an arrest might be imminent in this case in the Delphi murders. A little background: This is a strange double murder of 14-year-old Libby German and her friend, 13-year-old Abby Williams, who were who were both murdered on February 13th. 2017, they had gone to this park by their house and gone off on this trail to this place called the Monin High Bridge. And it's this dilapidated old train bridge. I've been there myself. One of these videos is me trying to cross that bridge. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get on the bridge because there are like little trestles missing and if you fall from that height you are you're dead 100 percent dead and these girls crossed that bridge as did their killer and that says to me that whoever killed them must be somewhat local kind of familiar with that bridge because they were able to cross it i couldn't my my knees were shaking my my body physically reacted i could not cross it um Anyways, get you up to speed. A few months ago, Indiana State Police became very interested in an Instagram profile that went under the name Anthony Schatz. Anthony Schatz. This was an Instagram profile that used a male model's picture for its profile. Totally fake. They were catfishing. 
It was not the model. He's been interviewed. He has nothing to do with anything. But they took this picture of this male model from the Internet and pretended to be him. And they were using that profile to solicit nude pictures from underage girls. This profile was very active in 2016 and 2017, that time frame in which Libby and Abby were murdered. The, this Anthony Schatz profile was eventually linked to a 27-year-old uh, man named Keegan Klein, who was arrested in 2020 and charged with possession of child pornography. Now, there's this podcast, Murder Sheet. Check them out. Murder Sheet did some really excellent journalism. And they went into the court docket of Keegan Klein's cases. And in that docket, they eventually found this transcript of an interview that police had with Keegan Klein. And here's where it gets interesting and links to Libby and Abby, because in that transcript, Keegan Klein admitting, um, admitted to using that Anthony Schatz Instagram profile to talk to Libby German. Direct connection. Uh, the police accused him of communicating with Libby on the very day she was murdered. He denied killing them, Keegan did, and has not been charged with anything related to that crime. Now, these transcripts have since been sealed, but uh, the Murder Sheet podcast had them, and they've they've given them to a couple people, I believe, uh, because a couple journalists have reported on this. Now, the transcript shows that Klein failed a polygraph, uh, a polygraph test, and deleted his Snapchat, Snapchat and Instagram accounts. And immediately thereafter, searched online, and here's his search parameters. The search was, how long does DNA last? Now, he failed that polygraph. Uh, in, uh, there was a specific question they asked him. Do you know who killed her? He failed that answer according to these transcripts. Now, they think that at least two people were accessing that Anthony Schatz account. And the reason they came to this conclusion was based on language between these um, interactions with underage girls. It seemed as though at least two different people were using that account because the way that they spoke online was, was very different from each other. Now we jump to Emily Shapiro. Now this is a journalist who covered this update for ABC News. And then she took to Reddit this week for an AMA, an Ask Me Anything type of deal, on the subreddit um, Unresolved Mysteries. And she says at some point in that posting, quote, it does seem Keegan Klein must be connected somehow, end quote. Now, there are reports that say Keegan Klein's father might be a person of interest, this is where it gets interesting because Keegan Klein's father's name is Jerry Anthony Klein. He goes by the name Tony. Remember, the profile was Anthony Schatz, right? Now, his father has quite a criminal history. He has convictions for sexual harassment, battery, and theft. Now, just days after the murder, another schoolgirl, unrelated to... 
uh, Libby and Abby gave her address to this Anthony Schatz account. She came home at the end of the day, and she goes into her bedroom. She looks over at the window, and there's a man in a ski mask looking back at her. How fucking scary is that? So this Anthony Schatz account probably has something to do with what happened to Libby and Abby. This is the ongoing theory. Um, There's a lot that matches up. It's hard to get around this coincidence that Keegan Klein may have been speaking to Libby directly. And his father, Tony, has not been charged with anything at this point. Reporters can't seem to reach him. But it feels to me that we might be close to the end of this case. And the most interesting part about all this is the police to this day have not released the, the, the means. They have not released how Libby and Abby were actually killed. And it might be because it was so unique that only the killer may know how they were, how they were actually murdered. So um, I've got a good feeling about this, folks. It feels like we're close to this, and I, I hope this is it. Um, like I said, I've gotten to know Kelsey and the family uh, doing the series on YouTube, and uh, they're often at CrimeCon, and they're just the, the, the sweetest people. And I hope closure is close for them. So so check it out. Read up on the Delphi murders. I think we might be getting close. Um, here's a here's a bizarre story out of out of Ohio. You know, and as you know, I'm I'm here in Akron, in the Fearful Symmetry Studios, aka my wife's closet for the time being. Um, but uh, okay, let, let me back up a little bit. Here's the story. This whole thing happened last Wednesday, but it just became public this week. And the whole case file is up on the Boston Globe if you want to read up on it, by the way. Here's how it started. A couple in their 60s, this is like a 60-year-old couple from Ohio, they had gone to visit their son in Florida. They flew back to Ohio to Columbus. Columbus has some cheap airfares, some direct flights. Even if you don't live in Columbus that that or near that's where you want to go out of. They came back through the, the Columbus airport, and they were driving home to New Carlisle, which is about 70 miles away from the Columbus airport. And right as they left the airport, they noticed that there was this silver car that seemed to be following them. But they didn't think much of it at first. And then they noticed that the silver car was staying right behind them. Every time they slowed down, the silver car would slow down. When they switched lanes, it would switch lanes. Uh, It would never pass them. So eventually they decided to get off at an exit just to see if they could get away. Silver car followed them outside the exit, was driving into oncoming traffic in order to keep up with them. Eventually they called a dispatcher, they called police, and they said, hey, uh, we don't know what's going on, but this guy's following us. Um, The dispatcher told them to head to the nearest police department, which by that time was in Troy, Ohio, quite a ways away from Columbus. So they started heading towards this police station, and on the way the dispatcher already told the local police what was going on, and a police car spotted this silver car following them uh so they put on their lights tried to pull them over but this car wasn't stopping 
He kept going until two other police cars joined the pursuit and then he eventually pulled over. Now, they found out that the driver of this silver car that was that was like terrorizing this older couple, allegedly, was 28-year-old Michael Neary. Here's where it gets a little weird. Michael Neary is the Democratic candidate for the second congressional district seat in Rhode Island. When they pulled him over, police say, uh, according to the transcripts, the police reports, they said his eyes were glassy. They searched his car. They found pot in the front seat. They found a little, like, uh, like um, ceramic thing that you, you, you smoke out of. I don't know if it was a one-hitter or whatever. But they, found, they also found pot and a grinder. And in the back seat was a bottle of whiskey. Uh, now, Michael Neary... He's running as the Democratic candidate for 2nd Congressional District in uh, Rhode Island. But here, here's the weird thing. He worked for uh, Ohio Governor John Kasich for a while. Kasich's a Republican. Why is he running as a Democrat in Rhode Island? The whole thing is bizarre. Uh, this couple was so scared. This this woman who's in her 60s, she couldn't speak to police when she finally got to the station. They had to interview her husband. Um, Neary apparently failed a sobriety test. He told the police that he was driving to clear his head. He felt very stressed. He's been charged with menacing by stalking, possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia. He pleaded not guilty, and his pretrial is set for April 21st. This is such a weird case. Like, what was he doing? Was this a road rage thing that escalated? Or something, something worse? What what was going through his mind? I this is very strange. Last top story for this week. Uh, th- this whole week is bizarre, and, and this one especially. Let me tell you about this woman, Lauren Handy. And this story takes a turn halfway through. By the way, the U.S. Justice Department, or Department of Justice, if you will. Uh, this week announced federal charges against Lauren Handy and eight others for their role in a 2020 attack on a health clinic in the District of Columbia. Feds say this group barricaded themselves inside an abortion clinic and live-streamed the whole thing on Facebook. They were trying to keep abortions from being performed at this clinic. Now, Handy herself entered the abortion clinic with ropes and chains. Handy set up a fake announcement using a, f- uh, or a, a fake appointment, that is, uh, using a fake name. She apparently said she wanted an abortion. She came in using a fake name. And once they were inside, they barricaded the door so nobody could get an abortion that day. And they live streamed this in a Facebook event called No One Dies Today. And they were part of a group that called themselves the Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising. Here's where it takes the turn. D.C. police received a tip recently about Lauren Handy and what she was keeping inside her home in Washington, D.C. Police served a warrant just yesterday. Now, a reporter was there for... When the police searched her house, Handy was seen outside, sitting in the parking lot, 
And what she told the reporter was, quote, people will freak out when they hear what's inside, end quote. What was inside Handy's house? Five human fetuses. BuzzFeed spoke with Randall Terry, an anti-abortion activist who founded Operation Rescue, who says the fetuses found in Handy's apartment were obtained from the clinic that they barricaded themselves into, but it was on a totally separate day than when that 2020 incident happened. I have so many questions about this, uh, least of which is is how the fetuses were were stored. Like, do you do you put them in the freezer next to like the Stouffer's frozen foods? Uh, I would expect that they would be in like a curio cabinet or something like that. This whole thing is weird, bizarre. Um, also, just as, as, as an aside, um, this whole anti-abortion thing, uh, with these, these protesters and everything, you know, I, I, I'm here in Akron. I, I live probably about a quarter of a mile from an abortion clinic. And when I'm bringing my kids back from school, they're often out there with signs showing these fetuses and everything. Now, what I've come to realize, at least in Ohio, is this same group of anti-abortion protesters are also the people that are, like, really, really into capital punishment. Like, like somebody gets convicted of murder, you know, burn them at the stake type of thing. You know, put them to death. Uh, so, you know, if you are pro-life, I really, really hope, and that's fine. That's 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 your that's your choice, right? You know, you do that thing. But if you're really pro-life, I really hope you are fighting also for the people that are being put to death on death row and capital punishment in the United States. You can't be pro-life and also be pro-death penalty. It just doesn't work. So <coughs> uh, the world's crazy. What else is new? Hey, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be back in two and two with some cold case updates, including uh, we're going to revisit the Gabby Petito case. See ya. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome back to The Greatest American Hero, starring Robert Culp. Some cold case updates for you. Brian Laundrie's parents are asking a Florida court to dismiss a civil lawsuit by Gabby Petito's parents. The Petitos allege the Laundries knew that Brian killed Gabby and were working with him to flee the country, according to CNN. It's weird that Laundries' parents knew exactly where to search for their son as soon as they could search, right? Like It's very strange. They went right there. Um, a motion by the Laundries argues that they had a constitutional right to silence. It's an interesting argument, actually. If parents of a killer know that they've committed murder, do they have a right to tell the police? I don't. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, would Would I in that situation? I'm not sure. Would you? Would you give up your kid if they if they knew what happened? I think at the very least. I'd, I'd get him a lawyer, right? Um, but their argument is that they had a constitutional right to silence. They're not saying that they didn't know that Brian, in fact, killed Gabby, that they didn't cover it up, that they didn't try to help their son. They're just arguing that that was their right. It's a very interesting argument. Um, the Laundry's lawyer is a guy named Stephen Bertolino. Now, he issued this very tone-deaf statement after that lawsuit was filed that called it baseless and frivolous. It's not. It's definitely not baseless or frivolous. You know, Gabby Petito is, is dead at the hands of Brian Laundrie. There's no doubt about that. Certainly, Petito's parents have the right to um, do anything they can in order to balance 
the scales of justice there. They're not going to have a trial. Laundry, like the coward he was, killed himself. Um, so it's not baseless or frivolous. That's a stupid thing for Stephen Bertolino to say. But you can argue its merits. Uh, you can argue this constitutional right to silence. That's an interesting argument. But to say it's baseless and frivolous is, is kind of bullshit and, and something you shouldn't have done. Um, so keep an eye on that. Now, in other news, I don't – I just want to say up front, I don't think anyone should celebrate anybody else's misfortune. That's, that's not what we should do. Unless that person is Alex Jones, then absolutely. Alex Jones is, if, if you don't know, you probably know already, but he's the conspiracy theorist who went online, uh, it moved online after he lost all credibility as a, as a real journalist. He's the host of InfoWars, that, that, uh, <laughs> that YouTube channel that your father or grandfather probably listens to. Now, Alex Jones said that Sandy Hook shootings, the shooting that occurred at Sandy Hook Elementary School, said it never happened, that it was all fiction, a false flag. The parents of those kids received death threats from his followers. Now, if you have forgotten about the events of Sandy Hook or you weren't uh, old enough to really follow that when it was happening, I implore you, go check out just the Wikipedia page for Sandy Hook. Uh, it is, I, I just had to research this for a new episode of Philosophy of Crime, which is coming out in a couple weeks, involving school shootings and toxic masculinity. Um, what happened in that elementary school? It should have changed everything in the United States afterwards, and unfortunately it didn't. But it's, it is the absolute worst of the worst of these school shootings. If I was a father in that case and Alex Jones said it was fiction, I tell you I would have gone absolutely crazy. I'd be in prison right now. Um, read up on it if, if you don't know the details. So this past November, a Connecticut judge found Alex Jones liable for damages after saying that it was all made up. A trial is, is coming up to determine how much Alex Jones should pay the families. And he's been hiding from this court. Uh, they want to depose him, and he's been hiding from the, from the court and the judge. In the meantime, he's been trying to buy off the family members for about $120,000 each. He's like, hey, look, I'll pay $120,000 each. Just don't make me get deposed. Don't make me go through this. He's He skipped his deposition this week, and on Wednesday, a judge ordered him to pay $25,000 every day he skips court. So, of course, yesterday, his attorneys reached out and said, okay, he's going to appear. So that's going to happen next week. We'll see how much... Alex Jones is on the hook for. I think this is gonna this is gonna be the end of Infowars, people. Uh, couldn't come too soon. Uh, there's another cold case that was solved by this group of daring YouTube divers. Have you been following this? That they've come up with a new concept to solve some cold cases, and this involves people that disappear with their vehicles. A very limited set of cold cases where somebody vanishes off the face of the earth 
So does the vehicle they were driving. Now, an easy explanation, Occam's razor, is that at some point they ran off the road. And that car is likely in a ditch uh, or, or a creek or a river or a lake submerged. And that's why we haven't found them. There, so this YouTube team called Adventures, Adventures with Purpose. Check them out. Uh, they have just solved another case. This involves James Amabile, who disappeared in December 2003. He called his babysitter saying, hey, look, I'm running five minutes late. He was going to pick up his daughters. Obviously, he was hurrying. He never made it home. So what happened? Where'd he go? Well, it's not too much of a stretch to imagine he was he was speeding, going really fast, and, uh, and ended up off the road somewhere. Well, that's what exactly what this group thought. And the divers searched a creek nearby in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, and they found his SUV and, and were able to identify it by the license plate and matched. There was a body inside that has now been identified as James Amable through dental records. Um, interesting bit about the story is this SUV. At some point, somebody built a dock on this river, and they drilled a pylon directly through the SUV for this dock and it didn't it didn't pop up on their on their radar nobody went underneath to figure out why it was so hard to get that pylon in but it, it's it's interesting it's what a what a neat way to solve some old cold cases a couple updates in genetic genealogy solves this week i mean this is such an exciting time to 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 be alive if you're following true crime there's this whole new tool Genetic genealogy, and it's solving... I can't even keep up with all the updates in this, but these are the big ones. Uh, DNA Doe Project is added again. And this involves a case where, back in 1992, workers in St. Louis were removing a gas line from a vacant building when they found skeletal remains. Now, at the time, back in 1992... Police believed that the victim had been stabbed to death and was probably there for about one to three years. In 2004, police got a DNA profile. They searched it through CODIS, which was no match, which isn't surprising. It's a very limited system. Now, the DNA Doe Project comes into this in 2021, just last year. They got a fresh DNA sample. They tested then they uploaded all the data to GEDmatch and FTDNA like they do and started looking through the family trees, finding second and third cousins of the decedent. Within a week, just one week, they, they ID'd one Timon Joseph Emily as a likely candidate for these uh, remains. And then they quickly were able to verify it through family. Uh, they discovered that uh, Timon, uh, Timon, uh, Joseph Emily, had been reported missing in March 1990. Everything fit, and they have since identified him. Nice job. Genetic genealogy has also solved this week a 42-year-old cold case from Long Island. 
This uh, homicide occurred way back in 1980. 20-year-old Eve Wilkowitz was working as a secretary for a publisher in the city, probably around Union Square, where they all are. She took a train home at the end of the day, just wanting to get home, to her apartment in Bayshore. Got off the train, was never seen again. Well, her body was found shortly thereafter. At the time, the police said that she had been kidnapped, raped, and strangled to death. They knocked on the door of her family. Her sister Irene was 17 years old at the time, remembers it well. A couple years ago, she emailed detectives, according to NBC News, asking that they look into genetic genealogy as a way to solve the case. Her son had, had learned about genetic genealogy and recognized that this might be a way to solve Eve Wilkowitz's murder because they did have some DNA on her body. There was semen present. Uh, unfortunately, New York, especially New York City, has restricted the use of genetic genealogy, and they have the system where you have to be approved as a lab. It takes sometimes a couple years, so they weren't able... It wasn't an easy process for them. But they did find a workaround. The detectives involved in the case, they're like, we we got to try genetic genealogy. We know this this could solve it. They They did a workaround by going to the FBI, who were also on the case back in 1980, and they're kind of outside the jurisdiction of New York. They could kind of do their own thing. And so they were able to do the genetic genealogy. Good for them. The FBI genetic genealogist linked it, the sample, to a family tree, the last name Rice. And from there, they tracked it down to one Herbert Rice, who unfortunately died of cancer in 1991. Uh, detectives tried at one time, to get DNA from Rice's son. They were like kind of staking him out, seeing if he'd drop a water bottle or whatever, trying to match it. They couldn't get lucky. So eventually the detective got, you know, he, he got a little frustrated and just walked up to the door and knocked. And Rice's son came out, and he said, Hey, can I have a DNA sample? And the guy said, Yeah, sure. You know, I didn't know my father too well. I didn't really like him. Check it out. And so they took the DNA sample, and in fact, it came back as a match to the suspect. Uh, it, it said that the suspect was his father. So there you go. Another solved case. Nice job. Uh, I like to find weird stories on Reddit. And there's this subreddit called Unresolved Mysteries that has some really interesting true crime cases every once in a while. And uh, last week, there was a a post called, uh, and the title of this post was, What are some of the creepiest unsolved call-ins to radio shows? So I tagged it. I'm like, oh, this is this is my stuff. I want to follow this. Now, since it was posted just a couple days ago, the person who posted it deleted the post, and then they deleted their account. Is totally sus, right? It's really weird. But uh, before it went down, it introduced me to an, a very interesting story involving an alleged on-air confession to murder that occurred several years ago. This was on the Tom Lakish show. 
and Lakis is this like unabashed male rights guy. He 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 was this radio talk show host, the shock jock in the Washington area. And what he liked to do was name the women who filed suit, like sexual harassment suits against famous people. Most newspapers don't name them because they're victims. He liked to put their names out there. Real nice guy. Sounds a lot like Limbaugh. He does that that cadence that Limbaugh does. So anyways, in November 2006, a woman called into the Lakish show and said she'd killed the father of her child over a dispute about child support. This is according to the East Valley Tribune. Uh, and they recorded this this interview and, quote, this is what she says. I went over and tried to talk to him just about doing some under-the-table money. She was trying to get child support from her, the father of her child at the time. And he wouldn't listen, she said, so I shot him. You shot him? Lakis said. Oh, yes, I did, the woman replied. You shot him dead? I did. Now, the woman told Lakis that she wasn't arrested because she uh, had lied to police. Lakis told her, that he was going to use, he was going to report her. That he was going to use her phone number that she called into to turn her into police. They've got your confession on tape, Lakis told her. You just confessed. And he did. He was true to his word. And police traced that call to Megan Suzanne Vice of El Mirage, Arizona. Some of the details actually checked out. Her ex-boyfriend was a guy named Torsten Carl Rockwood, and who was found shot to death in an apparent suicide in 2001. Now, she wasn't charged with murder, but eventually she was charged with lying to police that her cell phone was stolen. When they came to her, she's like, oh, my cell phone was stolen. Somebody else must have made the call. That, of course, was a lie. She got charged with that. The police actually wanted to charge her with Carl's murder. But the prosecutor declined. Now, one of the reasons the prosecutor declined is that Carl's sister came forward and said he would often talk about suicide and said, I'll kill myself before I let a shrink give me drugs. So what what really happened there? You know, maybe this guy deserved a little killing. Is that what is that what they're thinking? I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe she just made the story up. Very, very strange case. But anyways, I found that through that Reddit thread. Why take it down, though? Like, why did that guy delete his his whole thing, the post, and his name? I don't know. But check out pop culture. There's clearly, this week, everybody's talking about this show on Hulu called Girl from Plainville. Elle Fanning, the actress, is playing the part of Michelle Carter. And this is in regards to the death of Conrad Roy, if you remember this case. Now, Michelle Carter had those big, like, uh, caterpillar eyebrows in Elle Fanning's ass. She's, she's almost unrecognizable, but she plays it very well. Conrad Roy committed suicide after his girlfriend, Michelle Carter, texted him to do it. She said, over text, she said, kill yourself. You should go through with it. Don't stop. 
Uh, it came out later that Conrad Roy was allegedly abused physically by his father and his grandfather. He had already tried to commit suicide in 2012, two years before he was successful. Now, back in 2012, it was Michelle Carter who discouraged him, saying, don't do it, don't do it. And then she was charged two years later when she texted him to actually follow through with the suicide. He committed suicide via carbon monoxide poisoning in his truck. And now I, I, I want to suggest that maybe this case is a little more nuanced than we first thought. You know, uh, Michelle Carter was with this guy for at least two years as he was suicidal. And, you know, I have, I, I've met a couple people who were abused by family members, grandfathers, fathers. And it takes a toll, man. And some people just can't get out of it. And living with that for two years and then telling them to, to go ahead with it. There are some cases, I think, in which euthanasia is a legitimate way out of this absurd reality, especially when you've suffered so much. So I'm kind of looking at this from a new light. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of people were on board condemning Michelle Carter, but she wasn't the one that, that committed suicide. You know, she, you know, she essentially just texted. You know, how much of that is covered by the First Amendment? I, this is a very nuanced case. So, so check it out. They do a good job. Let's check the charts, the top true crime podcasts in the United States, according to Chartable.com. There's a new number five here this week. Uh, number five is What Happened to Sandy Beal? It's an iHeart original podcast. And this is the write-up. What Happened to Sally Beal investigates the violent death of a young woman who dreamed of a career in law enforcement. The search for answers leads to accusations of conspiracy and cover-up that have haunted her family for more than 40 years. Investigative journalist Melissa Jeltsin untangles the mystery at the heart of the case and reveals a troubling pattern of behavior by local police. Now, Beal was found shot to death in her blue Ford Pinto. On February 11th, 1977, this is older than me, holy cow, um, it was ruled suicide. But when you look at the details, it seems to be something more sinister. Details that came out include a secret boyfriend, an unexpected pregnancy, and a possible police cover-up. Sounds fascinating. Check that out. And that that's... That's the show for this week. Holy cow, what a weird show. Thanks for sticking in. Uh, as always, um, check me out on the Repod app. We can talk about this case or or the show or any of the shows. Whatever you want, you know. Do a little Q&A. And um, that's it, guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, and, you know, after all, it is Friday. And in the words, even though it's April 1st, Hopefully you haven't been pranked. Uh, enjoy the next couple days because in the words of the incomparable Murray Saw, it is Friday, and that means we got to, got to, got to, got to, gotta, 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 g
Gotta, 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 gotta get down. Damn it. True Crime This Week is a Fearful Symmetry production. Our theme music is Trash Town Boogie by Mr. Smith, used under a Creative Commons license for use in this show. All sources are listed in the liner notes at the end of this episode. If you like the cut of my jib, please check out my other podcast, Philosophy of Crime. Unless quoted directly from a source, all content should be considered the opinion of the host. That's me, James Renner. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.